Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Hey, welcome to the podcast here. Father John, Father Nathan, Goebel. Welcome back. Good to see you. I guess we're not seeing you. Good to see you, Father Nathan. Yeah. It's a strange one this morning. We're podcasting in the morning, which is not um, our normal shtick. Don't worry, we're not drinking. Um, But we're not morning people, are we? Nope. We are definitively not morning people, and uh, so this could be a uh, tricky one, but you look more functioning than I am at this point. So. Well, I had to drive Father Gronsky to the airport at um, 5.15 in the morning, right. and we got to Tynan's auto, so a special shout-out to Matt Tynan. Good old Matt Tynan. Um, had to drop off his car, and, and, he's, and he gets in the car, and he just says, do you ever wake up angry? I'm like, every day of my life. <laughs> He's like, you don't seem like a morning person. I'm like, no, just get in the car. <laughs> get in the car and shut up. No more talking. No more talking. My brother turned 30 yesterday, so happy birthday to Whoa. Steve. And uh, I know, three zero. yikes, my younger brother. And um, so we had a late night playing poker where I was getting horse whipped by a bunch of people who had no idea what they were doing, looking at their cheat sheet going, what is that? Oh, uh, I have a full house. Oh, my gosh. I guess I get all those chips. I was just like, I hate my life. Yep. That. So that's that. But we have some good news. We have some good stuff. Uh, I brought Father Nathan a new gift for the uh, studio here. Yeah. that I don't know if it's going to go in the studio, though. That that sounds like competing competing market. It's a cuckoo clock from the Mutterland, from, from Germany. Cup, computer problems have begun, the usual. So he's walking over to the computer here. Sorry to interrupt. It's just stupid. We have the uh, oldest computer in the universe here. But ABG antivirus update declined. (laughs) Declined again. Declined again. So, yeah, we're kind of recovering from a wild weekend here in Colorado. And in addition to that, it snowed like a foot yesterday. It was insane. So this is the weirdest state. It was funny because... I was looking on ESPN, and apparently John Axford, who's the one of the relief pitchers, formerly of the Cardinals, um, and oddly enough, his son just had like a major scare because he got bit by a rattlesnake, Ooh. and he was like touch and go for a long time. But he tweeted out a picture of like him of the his front yard, and it was like covered in snow, and he says we're supposed to play baseball in this. That's crazy. And then. They got the field ready, and even the owner of the Rockies was out shoveling snow. Really? Yeah. Everybody pitches in. So when everybody helps. Exactly. It's amazing what we can accomplish. Clean up, clean up, everybody everywhere. That's right. Clean up, clean up, everybody do your share. That's right. So we have, uh, we have uh, some ordination anniversaries approaching. Yours is what day? May 17th. So yours is... Sunday. 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 Okay, so this will come out after that. But and then I think mine is uh, the Friday that we're on Silent Retreat. That'll be a sweet celebration. Mm. Mm. So I'm coming up on four years. Father Nathan coming up on the big first year. Oh, number one. one. Survived. The church survived a year uh, with Father Nathan ordained. and uh, some she, she has some stretch marks from getting me through. <laughs> but, but yeah, we're through. And the body needs some recovery now. But uh, no, it was a, it's crazy. It's been a year. Crazy, it's been four years. Dude, uh, it's crazy. Dude, it was just crazy. The uh, and the the big one, right? This is it. This Thursday, uh, Friday. No, this Thursday. Uh, didn't you say it's Matt Book, Father uh, Matt Book, and Father Mike Raps? That is, I think it's Friday. I don't know. Guys, you know, we're Friday. lucky we're even thinking about these. Oh, things. okay. So they, yeah, the sixteenth. 
No, uh, fifth, no, 15th. that'd be the fifteenth. Yeah, yep, yeah, because they were Saint Isidore. I mm-hmm. remember because I wrote it in my breviary. That's right. So you're, yeah, they're Friday, you're Sunday, and then we're on Thursday of retreat, and then Olo, Father Michael Laughlin, twenty fifth of May. So happy anniversary, gents! Um, but in lieu of that, we were thinking, and we had a, actually a recommendation from. Yeah. A, it was actually, Listener. I think it's Matt Miley that we gave a shout out to last time with the mullet. Uh, Matt Miley. Matt Miley. I don't know what it is. M-A-I-L-E. Anyways, uh, he said it might be cool for you guys to do a podcast on your vocation stories. There you go. So so this is part one. But before that, I forgot to mention the cuckoo clock. I want to thank, clock, yeah. I wanna thank uh, Molly and Grant Barrett for that. It was a great gift. A very good surprise. So. Mm-hmm. It's a legitimate one, too. It is, yeah. But it would rival the loon. Well, this, I don't know if we can handle it. It might be too much. I think we'll definitely have to bring it in for one of the podcasts so that they can hear, like... Because does it make noise? I don't know. I, I haven't even put it together yet. Just hmm. brought it down here. Fascinating. Yeah, the cuckoo-cuckin. Cuckoo-cuckin. So, yeah, so we're thinking uh, vocation stories. So there we go. We're just going to do yours. Right? Yeah, it would be it would be far too long to try and have both of us do it. So, but this is kind of cool because uh, we don't talk about these things very often, you know. Yeah, like as priests, you hear like the only time I would really hear you talk about it is if you were giving a vocation story. So it's kind of this is nice for me to even to kind of go back into the wild days of That's right. uh, Nathan Goble's past. So that's right. So uh, it it is nice because uh, I just got back from vacation. Uh, I was down at Kentucky Lake with my dad and brother, and then drove up to uh, Mount Zion um, and went and did the baptism of my niece Margaret and had the other uh, the first communion for my other niece Becca Grace and poor Becca she fell and broke her humerus Ooh. on Tuesday before her. First communion. Oh man! So, or no, I think it was Monday. It was like the first day Mike Mike was gone from the house. So. Oh jeez! But it just reminded me of you know like family's so great and it's so important to me and that that place, you know, Central Illinois. It certainly doesn't mean a whole lot to a lot of people, um, but for me, it was certainly home. So um, it it did help me to kind of reflect on you know why did I leave? Why did I? Why did God call me away from there? So. Um, so I'm going to try and finish this before the before the quick clock on the wall strikes 11. Yikes. Uh, question for you, though. What? Did you go to Crackles? Oh, dude, we drove in on Friday evening late. Um, I didn't go. Saturday, we left early in the morning for the First Communion and then went to my little brother Dalton's after the First Communion and Baptism and party and whatever we went to uh his band played at the decatur convention center so third shift keep an eye out they're born naked cd is coming soon <laughs> yeah born naked much better name um anyways so then they played and then it was too late and then they're closed on sundays oh man so crackles was closed la gondola was closed um it was it was rough it was rough. Well, you have to go back now. So. But my BMI thanks, you know, <laughs> thanks whoever closes on Sunday. That's right. So, um, as I've said on the podcast, you know, and interrupt me at any point, either for clarification or so that they can hear your voice, because 
This will get long and boring. Scooching me vos. It's funny because I was with somebody the other day who listens to the podcast, and they just said, man, Father John has such a good radio voice. And then you start talking. <laughs> so uh, so if for them to hear the silky smooth baritone of Father John Nepple just interrupt whenever. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. So um, grew up in, oh gosh, do I seriously want to do this? Yeah, like you the, should do like, this. Like the full deal? Do the full deal. All right. So um, I really am going to try and finish this in a half an hour. And I know that for a lot of people, it's just like, oh my God, I got to listen to this guy for half an hour. But um well, you can click it off now. Um, so grew you up. You can click it. <laughs> you can. That's right. What is that from? Uh, well, that's a that's a false uh, false quote from uh, Mr. Das, um, uh, who was our teacher, and I and I have a very interesting phrase that I made up of his, but uh, I will not repeat it on the podcast. But yeah. Anyways, sorry. So then. Uh, Okay, so I grew up um, one of one of three kids. Uh, that's, this is a good start to it. I'm uh, sorry, sorry. We can't talk. I can't be laughing about things we're not even talking about. Yeah, okay, it's like in, it's like inside joke central. Yeah, yeah. sorry, that was painful for everybody. So I grew up in uh, one of three kids, middle child, as you've heard before. Uh, my dad and mom had uh, three kids, and then uh, they separated. So. Um, I was probably two and a half years old. Um, my older brother was five and my sister was one and a half, um, when they separated. So I lived with my dad and my mom lived in the same town or very close to us. So we kind of split our time in between. Um, but my dad said that when they split, um, he had one of two options. He could either go back to the tavern or go to the church, um, because he, it was a very low point in his life. And he said to us one time that it was really only, it was only the children that got him through that hmm. because um, he he wanted to just self implode and yet he had to like be available to us because we were just little kids and we didn't really know anything different. Um, my my older brother Mike might have, um, and uh, so you know we would see mom on the on the weekends um, and then you know be with dad. And then whenever I was in, I think, kindergarten or first grade, my dad married. Uh, he got an annulment and uh, and got married to uh, Veronica, uh, who's my stepmom. And then they had two children. So ultimately, I when people ask me, um, if they don't actually know the real story, and I don't really want to go into it with them, I just say, I'm the middle child of the first litter. <laughs> so uh, that's code for there were three kids and there were two kids. So... Uh, there's Mike, my older brother, me, Ashley, my my only sister and favorite sister, um, and then William and Dalton. And they're my half brothers, but we've never made that distinction. Um, and so they're, you know, they're my brothers. Right. So that, I just say that because um, that's kind of the, the ground soil from which I came. It's not, it's not a terribly horrible thing. It's not a terribly good thing. Divorce is not something that you would wish on anybody, and yet God is able to use brokenness um, in a way that uh, ultimately manifests his glory. And um, I couldn't really articulate that whenever I was six years old because I was like, where's my mom? And then there's this other woman, and she's also my mom, and uh, I'll just make sure that I get this down and figure it out later. Um, But one of the important things that we did as a family was we went to church every Sunday. 
and we went to the same church uh, and, ha- and went all the way through, you know, till after college, and they're still going there, Our Lady of the Holy Spirit in Mount Zion, Illinois. And we were kind of what's called church church rats or church mice, you know. We had um, a whole parish family who knew my dad's situation and also knew us, and they really, like, took care of us. Uh. I remember there was this one lady, and she definitely doesn't listen, but her name's Sandy Nicholson, sweet lady. Um, she bought me a truck for my birthday, and I was like, you're not even our family, and you bought me, like, this gift, and I was, like, totally overwhelmed uh, that she that she would know, like, I, was, I, wasn't, I probably wasn't going to get very much. Um, and she like, you know, took care of me. So we had like a large parish family that was kind of, um, surrounding us, loving us. We would have like potlucks and it was a very close community. And, um, you know, my, my stepmom, Veronica, like it was like a seamless transition, um, in the church and, you know, her and my dad were involved. And so I spent most of my life like going to church. Um, you know, we didn't, we weren't like involved in other things, but we would we would be involved in our church, and very at a very early age, I started serving mass because I was like, I do not want to sit in the pew, and just not do anything. Right. So I would rather serve. And we had very good priests at my parish, and the one that stands out is this priest by the name of Father O'Shea. Um, so a good Irishman, even though Father O'Shea. Father O'Shea was he the one you went to your first confession with? No, that was Father Bob Becker. I told that story whenever I was back home. So you Father Father Bob, tell that story real quick. Father Bob Becker, he he said, okay, Nathan, this is your first confession. Why don't you go ahead? And I said, Father Bob, I've never sinned. And he said, really? And I said, yep, I've never sinned. And uh, he said, you've never hit your sister or anything like that? And he was like going down the line of all things that I've done. And I just said, no, because I was totally afraid because Father Bob and my dad were really close friends or seemingly close friends. And I was like, he'll just tell my dad and it'll be over. So uh, he said, why don't we take a moment? So this isn't even, I don't even think it's a valid confession. Let's just take a moment and pray for all the sins that we may have forgotten. And I said, okay. And I thought, this is my moment to actually confess my sins. So then I just like went through my whole list of sins in my head, you know, to God alone. Uh, and then he said, are you sorry? I said, yes. And then Bam. he gave me absolution. There you go. But Father O'Shea, he came whenever I was like uh, just after First Communion, so probably like fourth grade. And I served Mass for him from fourth grade until I was a sophomore or freshman in college. That's because I went to community college. Um, and and one of the most you know, formative events for me was just watching Father O'Shea pray the Mass, and it was never, like, super spectacular. He never levitated. He didn't even give, like, homilies that I can still remember to this day. He read most of his homilies, but I remember it being very good, very good content. Um, and if you paid attention, you'd get something. And he was a very you know, a meek man. He didn't say very much, but like very kind and warm. And, and at some point he said to me, Nathan, have you ever thought about being a priest? And I had been thinking about being a priest, but I sure as heck wasn't going to tell Father O'Shea that I was thinking about being a priest because I was also thinking about girls. Yes. Um, so I had a crush from second until f- sixth grade. I think I didn't like her in sixth grade, and then I picked up another one, sixth to seventh grade, and then another one from eighth to ninth grade, and then uh, eventually dated <laughs> in like ninth or tenth grade. Uh, so it was like I don't; uh, these are competing influences. And if you're supposed to be a priest, you only think about priesthood. Uh, you, you and I was thinking mostly about girls and priesthood. So I was I just told him no, and uh, and I think for a long time I just kind of stayed with that because I just said, you know what, God. 
um, I'm I'm directed towards marriage because I I like girls and you know like if you like girls you're directed towards marriage if you if you don't like anything you're probably you know like a, a eunuch and you you're supposed to be a priest so then um, fast forward you know like I'm entering I'm entering college um, and I'm and at this point I'd kind of had an awakening experience of of God and I, I think every Catholic needs to have that because as they as the kind of classic maxim goes you can be you can be sacramentalized without being evangelized. Right. And so I had all of the sacraments, confirmation, Eucharist. I wasn't going to regular confession, which was problematic, but probably formed by my first confession. So, um, and But I had a, a profound experience on what's called tech, so teens encounter Christ, and, uh, and believed that there was a God, um, and believed that he had a plan for my life, and I, I knew that Jesus Christ was real. And um, knew that I wanted to follow him. So uh, when the time came to to go to college, it was like I just want to make a whole lot of money, you know, because I played Life when I was a kid, right? You know, and I don't know if you play if you play Life now. You don't have you don't have nieces or nephews that are old enough to play board games. Uh-huh. At some point, you'll you'll try out the new Life game. The old Life game was make as much money as you possibly can and hope that you strike oil because like there was this like four hundred fifty thousand dollar Peace or whatever, you become an oil tycoon. And if you landed on that space, you, you were going to win the game, right? And and you definitely wanted to get a good job at the beginning. And my dad said that from a very early age. My dad really suffered and had, still stuff, suffers it's, it, in some way in his job. And he would always tell us kids, get yourself a good job so you don't end up kissing some guys every day of your life. And so from a very good, young good age... Good advice. Good advice. But it was like... Make money, be successful, be somebody, and um, yeah, like get an education, et cetera. So I, I'm looking at all my college options, and I'm like, I want to go. And I know Father Gronsky, he doesn't listen to this podcast, but he would cringe when I said this. The number one place I wanted to go? Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Yeah. I wanted to be the fighting Irishman. I wanted to be the mascot. I wanted to like go and live the Catholic life. And get a really good education because in the Midwest, like that's kind of the school. Can I just make a quick disclaimer about Notre Dame? Yeah. Several months ago, I made a reference to a lukewarm marriage prep couple that were Notre Dame grads. That is not Sarah Moran and Matt Kernan. Okay, their friends were like, they were like, oh, it must be them, and I, it's definitely not. Oh. Them. So I just have to make that disclaimer. Matt and Sarah, love you guys. I'm sorry about that for slandering your name. You're moderately more warm than lukewarm. No. They're awesome. Thank you. Anyways, continue. So then so then I wanted to go to Notre Dame. My uncle had gone to Notre Dame, and I just thought, this is what you do. If you're a good Catholic and you want to be successful, you go to Notre Dame. And my dad said, uh, I'm not going to pay the money for you to, to find out that you're going to go there, and then they're not going to give you a scholarship. And I'm like, what? And then he, he gave me a really good, good advice. He said, do you want to be, do you want to be a large fish in a small pond or a small to medium-sized fish in an ocean? And I was like, well, if that means not going to Notre Dame, I want whatever <laughs> means I'm going to there. But it ended up uh, pushing me to go to community college. And that was like a total slap in the face because like if you're going to be if you're going to be a leader, if you're going to be like awesome, if you're going to make a lot of money, you don't go to community college. And so I had this total chip on my shoulder. And then I went to community college and actually found it really helpful because I wasn't I wasn't ready to leave home as much as I thought I was. And 
while I was there, I met this guy. His name was Larry. His name is. He's not dead yet. His name is Larry Klugman. Uh, Klugman. A, a good a good Jew uh, from Decatur, Illinois. Um, and he was the political science teacher. And he said, um, I think you, you certainly have gifts, and we want to help you like live those gifts and, and go to a four-year institution. Great. So... Um, so I was, you know, at the same time I was helping out on church retreats, whatever, and I said, great, I figured this out. I'm going to make a whole lot of money, and then I'm going to give that money to the church, have a good family, just like, you know, you're supposed to do as a good Catholic, and then I'll do it as a lawyer or a politician. So I got a job working for Bill Mitchell, uh, Representative Bill Mitchell, who was a, a freshman state rep with Barack Obama, Whoa. President Barack Obama. Um, and uh, lived the kind of political life with him, you know, knocked on doors, handed out flyers, threw Tootsie Rolls at parades. It was a lot of fun. Um, and Bill was great. He's a Catholic, uh, pro-life, uh, but I saw like a really dark side to what he had to endure uh, being a faithful man in a very corrupt system. And I said, I don't think that I could do that. I don't think that I could have the wherewithals to like deal with these kind of people and um, you know maintain my faith. So what I'll be is I'll be a lawyer, so that I can you know leave my job at work. I'm not like threatened by like not getting elected, you know, or getting ousted from office. I'm gonna be a lawyer. So I started going that route. Then all of a sudden uh, I, I was done with University of Illinois and I transferred or done with Richland Community College and transferred. Just two years. Two years. Okay. Got the heck out of there. Worked for Pepsi. Hated it. I was like, I am not going to spend the rest of my life throwing around like 24 packs of Mountain Dew. Uh, I'm going to get a good job. I'm going to get an education. So that was good. Um, I go to University of Illinois and start meeting you know, some of these Catholic professors. And they have this uh, program that's no longer there. It's called the Institute of Catholic Thought. So Monsignor Stuart Swetland and Dr. Kenneth Howell were both professors at the university and they offered Catholic credits um, that you could take while you're taking these other courses. And I said, I want to take that as my major, but you can't do that because there's not enough credits. Um, but what I did is I was the first person to ever be a political science major with a Christian, what did they call it? Christian theology or Christian thought emphasis. Huh. Usually people do like, economics, right. business, uh, international trade, whatever. Um, and I was like the geek that wanted to do, you know, Christian thought. Um, and so I, I took classes with them and I said, well, this is great. I love this stuff. I, I mean, political science is fine. I mean, I really only took political science so that I could not have homework and be in what's called the orange crush, which is the, um, the kind of like the, student section of the basketball team and they're they don't get as much show time or play time as like the duke crazies or whatever right. they're called cameron crazies but they're they're certainly like pretty bad oscar so um and that and and we had a really good team back then so i spent most of my time going to the basketball games and not studying but i didn't need to study because i was doing christian thought and political science so and then uh, I lived at the what's called the Newman Center, so it's a Catholic dorm, very unique circumstance, and got roomed with 
Bobby Kruger. Bobby Kruger. I just saw. Bobby. I just saw Father. His name is now Father Robert Kruger. Oh, Robert Kruger. He is. Uh, he is a priest of the Archdiocese of Chicago, and he just. He was going by Father Robert, and then he said, "You know what? Like, I'm Bobby. All my friends call me he's Bobby. Bobby. So now he's Father Bobby, which I I like a lot better. Yeah. So I lived with this guy, and he was a vocal performance major. And I was political science, and one of the first interactions we had was, I'm watching the Cubs-Cardinals game in the room, and he walks in and he says, are you watching the Super Bowl? And I was like, who in the heck is this guy? You know, But, but we were great roommates. We got along fantastic. Um, and, uh, and so I had really my first experience of a Catholic friend. In high school, I had Catholic friends, uh, but we were kind of like, friends who happen to be Catholic. And one of those is uh, Marty Smith, who next week is going to be Father Marty Smith. Oh, wow. So, crazy enough. I'm, of which diocese? Springfield. Springfield, nice. So, my home diocese. And then are you going to talk about meeting Jack Conroy? Jack Jack Conroy, who just turned 30 um, last week. Uh, Jack Conroy lived next door to us. So, while Bobby was listening to opera, Jack and Jake... Uh, were listening to Metallica. Nice. And uh, they would have these competing, you know, stereo systems. And Jack Conroy was a wild man. And uh, he certainly calmed down now. He's got, you know, two kids and a beautiful wife. Uh, He's in, like, you know, finance markets or whatever. And uh, Jack was the one that would drag me out to the bars. And and so I would kind of, like, party with those guys. But... I was never, I, as you know, not much has changed. I have the intestinal fortitude and the uh, uh, tolerance of a six-year-old girl. So, um, so I did not do a whole lot of you know, heavy drinking, in part because um, my girlfriend didn't. So I dated the same girl uh, for my two years that I was at University of Illinois. Um, I don't know if I want to give her full name. Cause, uh, That's all right. But her name's Ellie, uh, friend's friends uh of friends know her um so um and that was great and that was call her ellie Hawkins for the sake of the trip ellie Hawkins, yeah that's right uh so then ellie was is a catholic um and it was a great relationship first catholic girlfriend um but uh i thought that i had it figured out i was like perfect everything is aligning i will teach christian like i'll teach catholic theology and i will be a married man and i found this girl and so we date, and it was on again, off again, whatever. At some point in uh, like the summer, we break up, and I was kind of devastated. And while we broke up, I go to uh, a fly fishing trip with my boys at the University of Illinois. So one of them was Father Brian Herlocker, who was the the priest at the Newman Center that I was really close to. He was my spiritual director, and a gangly creature known as... Nick, Nick Blaha, Blaha, who's now Father Nick Blaha. Um, <laughs> you're starting to see how God has a sense of humor. Um, and we go on this fishing trip. Tom didn't go on the first one. Uh, Father Tom Byrne of Chicago didn't go on the first fishing trip. He went on a later one. Uh, but uh, it was Nick and myself and um, and then, oh, what's the name of Brian Larkin's, Father Brian's? Derek. No, his his sworn enemy. Oh, <laughs> I don't know if I want to say. It. Well, he, I mean, he knows, but uh, they didn't, they didn't get along too well, uh, oh, yeah. and we didn't get along too well either. But you know, he came on the trip too. Yeah, it's his nemesis. Oh, okay, Josh. Yeah, Gideon. Josh Cockins. Josh Cockins. Sorry, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, 
Josh is a great guy, and I was pretty raw back then, and Brian was probably pretty raw back then too. So um, we're you know <laughs> we're friends or acquaintances or at peace now. Right. Anyways, so um, so we go on this fly fishing trip. And it was my first time really being out in the West. I'd never been out, you know, to the to the Wild West before. And first time seeing, like, mountains or, like, uh, significant trees, other than, like, forests in Illinois. Um, and so we go on this trip, and at one point I'm fishing, and it, for some reason this line keeps going in my head, which is, he shall drink from the stream by the wayside, and therefore he shall lift up his head. And I was like, what is going on? And I think I've said this on the podcast before. And so I'm just, I'm repeating this line over and over because I'm like standing next to the stream and I feel like, wow, like this is a word from the Lord. He shall drink from the stream by the wayside and therefore he shall lift up his head. You know what Psalm that is? No. Really? Psalm 110. Oh. Um, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember. Th- that's the last line of the Psalm. But I didn't know that until l- later in the trip. When we were praying the breviary together, all of a sudden we start praying this this psalm, and then it hits me at the very end, and I'm just like, son of a biscuit. But I'm like keeping it cool because Father Brian was my spiritual director, and he knew everything, and he was a great spiritual director, um, and he knew that I was dating this girl, and he knew that I was thinking about being a priest. But um, I liked being with my girlfriend more than I liked the prospect of giving up everything and following Jesus. And yet he never like got to a point where he's just like, you need to, you need to choose one or the other. Right. But he did say a very interesting uh, line to me, which was, Nathan, I will happily celebrate your wedding with, with no, no fears, no anxieties, whatever. If you can tell me with 100% certainty at that point that you'll never think about being a priest again. Whoa. And I was like, uh, I'm actually like... 60 40 or 70 30 depending on the day um and then eventually even though you try to keep that under wraps women are very intuitive and one of the moments that uh because ellie and i got back together we were at my brother's wedding uh so this is mike's wedding and uh he got married to a beautiful girl and i was like amazed that you know god kind of graced him with this experience and i said wow you can't just make this for yourself you got it. You have to be given it. You know, marriage is a gift and it's a vocation. And I was trying to create my path or my plan, but this was really a God's gift to him. And at their marriage, I'm looking more at the priest and 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 the wonder of marriage than I am at Ellie. And uh, I think that kind of meant something because very soon after that, uh, she's like, um, "I think you're called to be a priest." And I was like, yeah, but, I mean, is that going to change something between us and everything? So uh, kind of like my girlfriend that I told you about before, uh, I, you know, I won't say her name, but she said, we pulled up in the driveway and she said, you know, I think we need to go on a break. I think we need to take a break. And I was like, oh, okay, couples do this. How long are you thinking? She says, forever. <laughs> so uh, so then I leave. Um, Ellie, Ellie and I break up. I'm graduating from University of Illinois. I have no idea what I'm going to do. My buddy Nick Blaha says, look, dude, I know you want to go to law school, but you haven't really filled out an application. You haven't taken the LSAT. This is just kind of like, you know, something that you're thinking about, but not really. Why don't you consider giving two years of your life to focus? 
And I was like, seriously, dude, like I couldn't even lead a Bible study at University of Illinois. I was like both nervous and like those guys are posers. So, um, but he said, you know, why don't you, why don't you, you know, go on the weekend, the interview weekend. And I thought, well, you know, I'm just, I'm hot stuff. Like they're, of course they're going to want to hire me. Well, apparently that was not the case that I was pretty cocky and, and, uh, not well formed. So, um, I mean, I was fully formed, full bodied, but not necessarily, uh, with a good attitude anyway. So then they, uh, they do end up hiring me. And I go and go to summer training and eventually get sent to uh, Fargo, North Dakota at North Dakota State with some great teammates and um, and a wonderful uh, Newman Center director, uh, chaplain, Father James Cheney. So I'm away from my family for the first time in my life. And I'm thinking to myself, I've uprooted. I've given up everything. I lost my girlfriend. Um, the plan is still to teach theology, but I'm kind of like, Lord, you've taken everything from me. And uh, I was pretty bitter. And I think that was evident to some of my teammates. Eventually, and I, I wasn't a good missionary. Um, I was kind of timid and not terribly confident. And I didn't want to like just go through Bible studies and like discipleship forms with people. Like It was very different than what I had experienced at University of Illinois, in part because I was trying to be a missionary instead of just like be a friend. Yeah. You know? Anyways, so then I go on a silent retreat, and um, I go on a silent retreat uh, November over Thanksgiving of my first year in Focus, and it was the first time that I had really significantly entered into silent contemplative prayer. I mean, I had I had gone on retreats, I had you know gone to holy hours, I had started attending daily mass at University of Illinois. Those were really important aspects of my spiritual life and regular confession, which if I haven't harped on that enough, I swear you'll you'll grow by leaps and bounds as soon as you start confessing the fact right. that you're a failure and you start inviting Jesus into those failures. So then uh, I go on the silent retreat and uh, I really found freedom for the first time, which was I had this image of myself of you're always going to live in Illinois you're always going to be kind of this kind of person. You're con- I'm constantly shaped by the image that it kind of formed or gelled like during junior high and high school and even grade school of myself. Um, and that person I never thought could be a priest huh. because I was like, that guy is, uh, well, he's kind of he's kind of a failure and he's not smart enough and he's certainly not chaste enough uh, to ever like be considered for the priesthood. Right. Yeah, I can serve Mass. I know when to bring the water over. Congratulations. I don't have self-mastery, and I don't have self-love, and I don't even know who Jesus is. So he certainly wouldn't want me as his, as his priest. But then on that retreat, I started to feel like, you know what? Um, I think that I need to kind of evolve or grow in my in my love of self and my love of God and be a little more open to... What do you want from my life? Because I had had it, I I had been open to that, and then I was like, Jesus told me what he wanted. I'm supposed to be, uh, you know, like a lawyer and a politician, and then eventually, blah blah blah. So then, uh, it was very soon after that retreat that I realized I think God wants me to be a priest, um, and that was that was pretty intimidating, um, because I I didn't realize how strong that call had been. And so I was nervous about, um, well, what does this mean? 
And then very soon after that, uh, I, I told my family and they were like, yeah, we've kind of known for a long time. And uh, they were a little shocked, but also like, yeah, this makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I had to make the difficult, difficult decision of, well, um, where am I going to go be a priest? Oh, yeah, that's right. So I, I forgot this one last point. We got like seven minutes left. I'm going to finish this as the loon clock, loon clock tolls. Nice. Um, I was on a plane, and I remember putting my tray table up, and I was just kind of like zoned out, like looking at the tray table, um, and I was thinking to myself, what in the hell am I going to do? And it was kind of like the Matt Foley question, you know, like, what are you going to do with your life? Right. And, um, and I, I realized that if I had to choose, if I had to choose what I would want to be, Without the influence of my family, not that my family ever pressured me on it, without the influence of this wonderful, beautiful, uh, holy woman who constantly pestered me about being a priest at my home parish named Lorraine, without her influence, without the influence of, like, the possible relationships that I'd be giving up, because whenever I was, like, eight years old or ten years old in fourth grade, I went in for my physical with my, with my doctor, Dr. Bach. And he said, Nathan, where do you, what do you see yourself like when you grow up? Like, what are you going to do when you grow up? And I said, I'm going to be at home with a supermodel and retired. <laughs> like, I, that's, that's just what I said. So I had to give up that influence. I had to give up the possibility of making a whole lot of money because I did want to do that. And I, ta- I, I would like to say I did have somewhat noble um, aspirations for making that money because I was like, I want to make money so that my dad can retire because I was sick and tired of watching him bust his, bust his butt and I would like to make enough money just to say, here, you're done. I've got this. With go balls, snowballs. With go balls, snowballs, which almost happened. If, if Blaha hadn't uh, convinced me to join Focus, I was going to start my own shaved ice company called Go Balls, Snowballs. <laughs> and I would have been a billionaire by now. Shark Tank. Um, so, then, uh, so then without all of those influence, I kind of, in my mind... And in my heart, I kind of set all those influences aside. And I said, what would I want to be if I had to choose? And it was like the Lord was giving me freedom to say, what do you want? Don't think about what everybody else wants from your life. What do you want to do with your life? So God appeared to me as Matt Foley, pretty much, yeah. um, the motivational speaker. You're and I said, in a van. And I said, I would want to be a priest, and I'd want to be a really good one. Uh, because I didn't want to be just like a, like a half-ass priest. Um, and, uh, and then as soon as I said it, I was like, dang it. Like, I can't believe that I've actually said it because now I have to act on it. Um, so that was when I went and I told my family, I knew that I was already called, but it was like, at that point I made what's called the election. Um, so God was, God was calling me the whole time, but the beautiful thing is he gave me freedom to choose it because some people say, Oh, when did you feel called to be a priest? And I'm like, well, you ca- you get called for a long time, but you put it off. You know, yeah. like I see I see Jesus's caller ID, and I'm like, not taking that one. Um, but like nobody says, do you feel called to date my smoking hot daughter? And I'm like, yes. You know, like let me discern that for a while. But a lot of people ask me if I felt called to be a priest, and it was really at that moment that I chose to accept the call, and. Um, and, and that was beautiful. So then how did I end up in Denver? Because 
I never thought about leaving Illinois. I never thought about leaving Springfield Diocese. I never thought about leaving a 60-mile radius of all the restaurants that I enjoyed. And I definitely didn't want to leave the possibility of having the Bears broadcast on Sunday and KMOX playing on the radio for the Cardinals on, you know, like any day of the week. Or the possibility of fishing with my dad or playing basketball with my brother or seeing my other siblings. Like, forget it. And... um I came out to Colorado my second year as a focus missionary. I was working at University of Denver in School of Mines, and I had my application to Springfield, and I put it in my desk, and I never opened that drawer for like, I don't know, it was like six to eight weeks, and I was like, why do I not feel like God is prompting me to go to go back to my home diocese? And I don't want to get into all that, but there was like a lot of signs and like conversations that I was having that was like, it's evident, don't go back home. So then I got this spiritual director um, in Denver by the name of Archbishop Shapu. Nice. Um, and uh, and he said, you need to spend the next six weeks say, telling yourself that I'm not called to go back home and, and test the spirit and see how that feels. And honestly, it was like I had freedom again. Instead of me being pigeonholed into, I'm going to be a priest, which means I have to be a priest of that diocese, it was, okay, now there's new things to decide um, and to discern, and God has a a deeper plan. And uh, he said, pick three places and kind of look into those. So I looked at Fargo, because that's kind of where my call kind of formed, or at least when I answered that call. I looked at the Dominicans, because I really wanted to preach and preach well, and I thought they had the best habits. I didn't know anything about the Jesuits at the time, so thank God. Um, and the Diocese of Peoria. Uh, Peoria was kind of the rival diocese, and um, and I never actually thought about going to Peoria, but I just thought, well, that's where I went to college, and that's where a lot of my friends were already priests. Right. So I was like, well, I could at least have a community there. And uh, my dad had a really good conversation with me at a bar in Champaign. He said, do you really want to spend the rest of your life looking over the fence at Springfield and telling yourself, why didn't I just go to Springfield? If you're in Peoria, if God has a plan for you, he's going to have something greater than just like going to the neighboring diocese. Right. So then, you know, Shapu says, well, the one place you're not looking at is Denver and you have to acknowledge the fact that God has brought you out here and, and it's a pretty good diocese. And, um, should I tell that story? Yeah. That's the one where, uh, I got two minutes. That's the one where, He's, this is in this conversation. He says, Denver's a very good diocese. We have the Augustine Institute, Focus, um, the seminary, um, and uh, we have this group called Endow, and he, st- he goes on. And I said, I knew what Endow was, but I said, Endow? And I was setting him up. And, uh, and he said, yeah, educating on the nature and dignity of women. It's, it flows from JP2's encyclical on uh, mulieris dignitatum, so on the dignity of women. And uh, it's a great program on educating women on their feminine genius. And I said to Archbishop Chapu, uh, you know, if you keep filling their head with these ideas, they're going to want to vote and own property. And he said to me, don't ever tell me jokes like that. And he was dead serious. <laughs> and I thought he was going to kick me out of his office right there. And uh, so, so he said, you need, to, you need to consider going to Denver. You knew that story, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, it's oh, so ridiculous. Yeah, so my apologies to Endow, to anyone who listens that's from Endow. Or, or women in general. Or women in general, yeah. So, um, so then it was very soon after that that I realized that God was calling me to the seminary in Denver. I didn't know any other, I didn't know any other 
pre or seminarian in the archdiocese. None. Uh, the only seminarian that I knew at St. Jamiani was Brian Larkin, because I'd kind of heard about him because I was in North Dakota, right. and a lot of the Focus people talked about him, and Brian Logger, who was in um, who was in Focus whenever I was. That was it. But I did know one priest who was there at the seminary. Uh, two, technically, because I, I liked Father Carey back in the day, Father Michael Carey, who's a Dominican, uh, and that was Father Raymond Goronsky, because we would go and listen to him preach, and he would talk about Godfather and, and uh, him doing drugs and driving a taxi and i was like this guy's awesome yeah so i ended up in colorado and there was a lot of people that didn't think it was going to work out myself included and i just kind of said you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna do this for as long as god tells me to do something else and within uh 10 months right within 10 months of me entering in the seminary with spirituality year and that was the other thing i wanted to do with spirituality year. i really wanted to pray and discern and and learn how to pray then the companions formed. And then it was very soon after that that uh, I met a priest by the name of Father John Neppel at Los Carboncitos, and we finally let down the, let down the, I don't know, the defense mechanisms. We hated each other. <laughs> and I said, don't ever tell me that jokes like that ever Whatever. Again. Yeah. And here, and here he we are. He thought he was hot stuff. I thought I was hot stuff. And um, we both found out we're both found out, We both found out we're both hot stuff. So, so then um, it's been a great... And wonderful gift to be part of this diocese. Um, I certainly, you know, credit the Lord and and uh, the Spirit for kind of leading me through all of that. Um, but it has been. If you're going to become a priest, you have to you have to make difficult decisions, and you can't have it all. You know, like I don't know if you ever had a Sunday where it's just like I want to have bananas and strawberries. And chocolate and butterscotch and caramel and marshmallow cream and whipped cream and nuts and all of that stuff. And it just ends up tasting like garbage. Right. Right? So, or like a suicide, you know, like the, you know, I I wish I knew a better name for that, but that's all I know. Right. uh, Where you you mix all of the sodas. It tastes good for a little bit, but then it's just like, I can't discern any flavor. Right. So, in order to make one decision, you have to choose one and exclude others. And excluding the possibility of being with my family, excluding the fact that I was going to be in Illinois and kind of readily accessible, excluding the fact that I would never be um, able to serve my home diocese, which like gave me such like great faith and uh, kind of awoke me to the life in Christ and in the church. The fact that I wasn't going to be around a lot of my brother priests who um, were in the Diocese of Peoria and even Springfield was a great suffering. Um, but God is good, and he gave me even greater things. So um, so that's why I'm a priest. That's why I'm a priest of the Archdiocese of Denver. Um, yeah, it's been a good run. And here you One are. One year anniversary. One year anniversary. We're four minutes over, so my apologies. Well done. No, no, well done. That was great. Questions, comments, concerns? Thoughts, feelings, desires. That's good, man. I, uh, that's an abbreviated version. I appreciate it. I'm happy you did that. So thank you. There I, you go. I, we better uh, wrap it up with a shout out or two here, though. You got anything? Yeah. I was in Chicago this week and I met a priest named Father Will. Father Will's from Texas, and he is listening to the podcast. Great guy. And uh, but the guys who turned him on to it were the SPO St. Paul's Outreach oh, yeah. Men's Household at Texas State University. So shout out to those guys. Thanks, Father Will. 
Good to see you. We got Chris Lanciati wants he wants to formally submit his desire to be on the podcast, one of many, he says, now that the reign of Bishop Nepple is ending. Please tell Father Nathan I understand his pain as I had to live with Nepple for an entire summer. Is that Rob Lanciati's son? Yep. Yeah. He's a sodalite Christian life movement. Chris, nice try. Good to have you. Thanks nice try, sucker. Nice try, sucker. I think that's all I got. All right, so I got a few. Uh, I want to give some shout-outs to the people from the homeland. First and foremost, um, this was this came as quite a shock to me, but um, my mom is listening. Um, so this is mom-mom, as we like to delineate. Mom-mom. Um, so there's mom-mom, and then there's mom. Mom-mom is my birth mom. Kim, um, I, I rarely call her Kim, um, but uh, my mom started listening to the podcast, I don't know, like a couple months ago, and she loves it. So she's like, so when do I get a shout out? I'm your mother. And I That's was right. like, uh, as soon as possible. That's right. Um, so happy Mother's Day. Yeah. Well, I better give my mother as well. That's right. And I saw your mother on Mother's Day. So it was, it was nice. Helpful. Mary Nepple. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. I love you. I love you. I love you too, Mom. Um, so that's Mom's. Uh, there's also Dave and Ann Monahan. Um, so Dave plays basketball with my brother, Mike. And Anne listens to the Bikini Podcast um, and was dying with laughter, as was Megan Kleesner. Um, she she thinks that's one of our best works. So Megan Kleesner. Megan Kleesner. She, she was at the First Communion, and she, like, kind of ran up to me in high heels. You know what I mean? Like, have you ever seen a woman, like, run in high heels? Yeah. It's kind of quite comical. But she wanted to, like, catch me before I left. So to Megan Kleesner. Um, and then finally to... Michael O'Connor. Michael O'Connor. Michael O'Connor. From St. Michael's Parish in Orland Park. Uh, that's uh, Father Tom Byrne, uh, his parish. Uh. Um, so, Michael O'Connor, um, what's up? What's up? He listens to the podcast. So, those we're just going to do the Illinois people. That's the it. The rest of them we're going to get. Letters time. next time. All right. Well done. Thank you. Catholic Stuff Podcast at gmail.com. This is one of the final episodes uh, with. Uh, Father John and Father Nathan, uh, 1.0 before, you know, you come back from Rome and then it's 2.0. That's right. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Peace.